everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 26. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada. I'm joined by Emil Croyer of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. So we have been a bit absent for the past few weeks. Uh, so I think we'll do a bit of a hybrid podcast today where we touch on uh, weeks 23, 24, 25, and 26. It's been a roller coaster in that time, uh, Milt, with some good performance. And then we've seen a bit of a, de- a dip in the last two weeks. But generally, how would you uh, describe at least the last two weeks? Yeah, well, you're right. It's been a roller coaster. I think that's a pretty accurate description. If you if we go all the way back, if you recall in weeks 21 and 22, which were the weeks right before and after Christmas, performance for both railways was very poor. And, you know, we had some severe cold on the prairies in week 21, and that kind of triggered it all. But then we had seen, you know, a bit of a hopeful recovery, both from CN and, and CP in weeks 23 and 24. Not that performance was tremendous, but it was much better than we had seen, you know, over the Christmas and New Year's period. Unfortunately, not sustainable, which is not surprising given kind of the up and down performance we've seen for a while now, which seems to kind of cycle, if you will. You get a week or two of good performance, a week or two of bad performance. The last couple of weeks, 25 and 26, pretty much downhill for both CN and CP. CP with the biggest decline, the last couple of weeks have been very poor for them. Week 26 in particular, order fulfillment performance falling to 55%, which is their worst performance of the year. CN, you know, not quite as bad, but but still on a downward trajectory for the third straight week. We had initially reported for CN week 26 at uh, 69%, but We've since learned that there was some erroneous reporting by by a shipper, so that we're going to adjust that this week just a, a, a hair. So it'll actually be a restated 72%, which, you know, it's better than 69, but it's not great. So, you know, for me, this kind of downward trajectory that we've seen, you can kind of bring it all the way back to weeks 21 and 22. That's really when the landscape kind of changed. 23 and 24, admittedly, were better, but then it turned the other way. And now for two straight weeks, you know, it's been going on, going in the wrong direction. So for me, I think it really goes all the way back to Christmas. Vancouver has been, you know, a problem, I guess it's fair to say, for both railways. I don't think that it's the only issue that's plaguing the railways, but obviously we all know that Vancouver is a critical corridor. I mean, not just for industry, but for the railways, it's the biggest volume corridor for both CN and CP. It's it's disproportionately large for CP, particularly once Thunder Bay closes, which it has for this season. A little less so for CN because CN has the outlet north to Prince Rupert, but it's still CN's biggest corridor. So, you know, in the middle of weeks 25 and 26, we've seen some rain issues off and on in Vancouver. And... You know, we, we've known about this for a long time. It's been a problem for a long time that when you get enough rain in Vancouver, whether it be volume or frequency or a combination of those two things, that port operations can start to be adversely affected. So typically what happens is that, you know, if there's too much rain, they can't load vessels, or at least not at the rate that they should be able to load them. 
And if vessel loading is impacted enough, then that tends to create space constraints in the terminals because they're not moving product out of storage in the terminals fast enough. And eventually that ripples back into the number of rail cars they can unload. And if it's particularly bad, it then ripples all the way back into the rail system where you start to see cars, you know, for want of a better term, piling up trying to get to Vancouver. And so dwell times rise, the number of, you know, cars sitting around for two, three, four, five days, whether it's at origin or at destination or en route tends to go up. And we've seen that, you know, in weeks 25 and 26, we saw idle car counts go up. We saw dwell times increase. We saw port unloads go down. So I think that, that it's probably benefactor. But at the end of the day, Vancouver is not the only corridor where the railways have struggled, you know, off and on over this two to four week period. The railways would argue and have that this inability to load in the rain is a direct driver of their ability to supply cars in the country for loading in a timely manner because cars sit longer and it impacts, you know, the efficiency with which they can move their fleet. And I think that's probably a fair argument. The problem is that, you know, they have 11,000 car fleets. At best, there's 4,000 to 4,500 cars under load in the, in the system at any given time. So you really, you know, wonder why empty car spotting has been so poor and frankly, where the rest of the cars are. <laughs> so there's likely some truth and there's likely some impact as the railways say, but it's really difficult for us to gauge the severity of that impact because of course we don't have any visibility into, you know, how the railways are moving their empty cars. And we don't have a lot of visibility, frankly, on, on port operations. So, you know, we can see signs that there were issues, but we can't really, you know, quantify it. Thanks, Milt. From a provincial standpoint, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess to say, I mean, it, it's it's a complicated situation. Supply chains are complicated. From a provincial performance perspective, have you seen anything that uh, caught your eye? No, the top line story, as you know, t- generally tends to uh, flow down uh, to the provinces. And, and this is no different, really, the last couple of weeks. I think that could be kind of summed up by saying that performance across the provinces has been uneven at best, generally with a downward trend, although volatile week to week. You know, we've seen some ups and some downs and, and not some small swings week to week either. But when you look across the provinces, you know, not a lot of consistency in whole or by either railway. You know, Manitoba, I would say, has generally seen the best performance over the last couple of weeks. Not great, but certainly the best of the three. On the other end of the ledger, Saskatchewan has, you know, by far seen the worst performance from CN and CP over the last couple of weeks. And week 26 was particularly bad. Just going from memory, I think CP was in around 47% order fulfillment in Saskatchewan in week 26. And I think CP or CN was nominally better at about 58%. So that's, that's pretty bad. And then Alberta kind of right between the two. So a little bit less volatility, not great performance, but not terrible performance and still bouncing around, you know, week to week. So it's, it's tough for shippers in any of these provinces, given the volatility that they're seeing on a weekly basis to really have any idea what to expect, you know, as to what's coming at them next week, which is really a problem, frankly, when you're trying to plan a supply chain and you have commitments at the other end. So 
at port position, for instance, with vessels. So, you know, a massive challenge for them when you have volatility at this level. Yeah, Milt, the, the volatility has been pretty high. I mean, it's been interesting. January was a month where we had we had some of the railway or one railway or potentially both talk about how, you know, the total volume they moved was quite high or or record. Obviously, based on last year, anything's going to be a record because it was such a such a down year. But the volatility, and this is what we measure, is the on-time performance just hasn't been there. So while you're moving volume, you're not necessarily providing the service when it needs to, and that can impact the entire supply chain. You know, because of the lower order fulfillment performance, how has that impacted, say, the outstanding orders or, or that are coming out of, uh, say, week 26? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, a direct outflow of poor order fulfillment performance, which we've seen, you know, clearly in the last couple of weeks, is that your outstanding order counts uh, go up. Now, CPs had problems with outstanding orders. I mean, let's go back to September, really, is when their issue started. And they've been dragging, you know, that tail, as we call it, of outstanding orders from one week to the next, pretty much since then, you know, in varying degrees, they kind of catch up a little and then they fall far behind and then they catch up a little bit but but it's steadily been been a big number in some weeks it's been a very big number cn's been a little bit better generally speaking but when we look at the last couple of weeks the numbers for both cn and cp have started to spike considerably you know culminating with week 26 coming out of week 26 we're for the two railways combined, we're just under 3,000 outstanding orders, which is a massive number. And CP has got about 2,000 of those, and CN has got about 1,000 of those. So for CP, as hard as it is to believe, that's not even their worst week of the year. I'm, I'm going to say from memory, that's their third or fourth worst week of the year. So this has been a challenge for a long time for them. CN, I think this is their second time that they've hit this number, roughly. But the issue with CN is that the number's been climbing for three straight weeks now. If you go back three weeks, that was about 300, then it went to 600, and now it's almost at 1,000. So that's not a good sign, but that's what happens. And the only way that you can avoid creating this backlog, if you will, which is a strategy that CN admittedly has employed uh, in the past, is to cancel orders and and that way you know you you avoid creating the backlog because you're just saying that I don't accept that demand so it's not really there I'm going to focus on the demand that's in front of me and despite the fact that they've done that arguably less so in the last month than they have other than week 22 which was a disaster they're still building their outstanding orders and you know that's a function of their capacity and their ability to spot empty cars and we'll talk about that a little bit but yeah, this is worrisome because, see, the problem is that you can't get rid of this issue in a week. When you've got numbers at this level, it, it's going to take three, four, five, six weeks maybe for them to shake this tail and, and get current. So, you know, shippers could be looking at these issues, frankly, arguably, till the middle of March. That's not unrealistic given where the numbers are right now. Not a great, great vision uh, or a picture you're painting there. So let's dive into empty car spotting. Obviously, this is one of the, the metrics that the, the railways at the beginning of the year talk about as far as their commitment to the grain sector, you know, from the 
shippers representing the ATC, it's we haven't necessarily seen them meet those commitments. Is that still the case, Milt? Yeah, empty car spotting has been problematic for both CN and CP for a while now. CN, just to give you a, a flavor, uh, for six straight weeks now has not spotted even 4,000 cars a week. Now, when we talk about these numbers, we have to remember that we're talking about railway supplied cars. And for CN in particular, they see more private car movements uh, than does CP. There's really none on CP when you, you know, other than if you get into oil seed products. So, you know, in true numbers, CN is probably spotting more than 4,000 cars a week. But in their grain plan, they were committing to spot more than 4,000 cars of railway supplied hopper cars every week through the winter. So they're falling far short of that and have for six weeks in a row, which is what's driving their outstanding order count, right? So you don't spot enough cars to meet demand, you get outstanding orders. And then what's happening is that when you get behind like this, every week that follows, you're trying to fill all the orders that you didn't fill in the week that you were supposed to. So now the capacity that you have available for the current week, a portion of that capacity is being dedicated to supplying orders that should have been filled in the prior week at the expense of filling orders that are in front of you for the current week. So we track this and, and we look at what percentage of car spotting activity on a weekly basis is being dedicated to current week orders versus prior week orders. So apart from the fact that the numbers overall are just below where they need to be with respect to car spotting levels, now what we see is the railways, both CN and CP, dedicating more and more of their capacity to backfilling orders that have not been supplied, which means that current week orders are not getting supplied because so much of the capacity is, you know, looking at outstanding orders, which then in turn leads, of course, to, you know, poor order fulfillment because order fulfillment is measured based on the current week. So in week 26, just to give you an example, 23% of the cars that CN spotted were for outstanding orders. So they only dedicated 77% of their available capacity to spot cars for orders in the current week, in week 26. CP was even worse. CP dedicated 29% of their car spotting capacity to prior week orders. So only 71% of their capacity went towards current week orders. That kind of explains 55%, by the way, for order fulfillment in week 26. So, you know, given where outstanding order counts are, I expect to kind of see this. I mean, it'll probably get a little bit better, one would hope anyway, in the in the coming two or three weeks that that, you know, percentage split will change favorably towards current week orders, which would suggest then that, you know, order fulfillment performance will improve. But that's a problem. And, you know, it's one of those things that becomes what I call a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, if you continue to fail every week, then your outstanding order count never goes away and you keep spotting cars every week with a significant portion of those cars dedicated to your failures in the prior week and not looking after your you know new business in the current week and there's only two things that can change that i mean in reality one is that you need demand to go down to a level that the actual capacity that the railways have to offer can address both 
the unfulfilled demand from prior weeks and the current demand in the current week. And that can happen one of two ways. Either it will go down naturally, i.e. market demand will will come down. And I mean, if we wait long enough, it will, because we know that in the next six to eight weeks, we're going to be by the peak shipping season, and then we're going to be into the spring and the summer. And and we, we know that that demand goes way down. The alternative is for the railways to force demand to go down. And, you know, as I said earlier, CN is a is a bigger proponent of the strategy, which is rationing of orders. So if both railways wanted to get, you know, even, they could do it quickly by just canceling a lot of orders and just saying, we're going to clear off the backlog and then we'll be current and they'll take the hit in performance and, you know, they'll move on. The other way, frankly, is that they just need to spot more cars. But the problem is that what we've been seeing week after week after week after week, pretty much since the beginning of December, is they just aren't. It's confusing, I guess, to say the least. When you think about the commitments that they made, when you think about the fact that they have the fleets that they do, to see this low level of car spotting is just inconsistent with those other things. And it doesn't seem to be able to move on a week-to-week basis. CN has consistently, as I said earlier, been lower than 4,000 cars a week for six weeks now. CP's been a little bit better. You know, this past week, week 26, wasn't very good for them. They they dropped off to, you know, 3,100 cars or something. But they had spotted about 4,000 cars in the three weeks prior to that. Still lower than what they should be doing, but, you know, not bad. Their problem was that they were already so far behind, it didn't matter. So unless something changes in the in the equation here, that's why, for me, I think that, you know, this, this backlog is going to take some time to work off. And it's not unrealistic to think that it's going to take, you know, four weeks or more for them to get even. And, and that's assuming, you know, the demand doesn't get any higher and that they don't run into any hiccups. And we know, as we were talking about, prior to starting the podcast, that CP just had a hiccup this week. Uh, They had a disruption in one of their major terminals on their main line in southern BC that basically cut their capacity going west and east from Vancouver in half for three days. And we have a huge backlog of cars now trying to get to Vancouver. So that's not going to help their situation because now they've got a lot of cars under load that have been dwelling for a long time. The cycles are going to be out of whack. So we may not see that actually until week 28 or in the beginning of week 29, but it's going to make this problem worse for them. That's the one thing I do know. Yeah. And that's, as as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, this, it's this kind of volatility, this week to week volatility that really impacts shippers and others in the supply chain who who are lining up very complex systems and and plans and contracts and vessels for the grain they need to ship, ship each week. And this is why we do measure order fulfillment by the week. And why we don't just focus on top line metrics like overall tonnage that that moves in a in a month because that's uh, that's not the metric that uh, ultimately matters for the trade execution that we need to see in the industry. So, Mel, thanks a lot for your insight this week. Uh, for those who'd like to see the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye.